so I mentioned that these were the last words of Jesus, and, that bring, and it always brings together a story of when my father passed. Um, I'll never forget the day. It was June 8th, 2008, or June 6th, June 8th, I believe it was, and the choir was getting ready to do a program that I was supposed to sing in. And Diane went to the nursing home where my father was and to feed him breakfast. He was on hospice. And uh, she went there by herself, fed him breakfast. And after feeding him breakfast, my dad said to her, I want to go home. And Diane said to him, you mean with Jesus? And he said, no, my own home. <laughs> and they were his last words. <laughs> and with that, he slipped into eternity. You never forget last words. And these are the last words that Jesus gave, and as recorded in Matthew, there's, we, we all remember that the last words that we're reading were summaries of what Jesus said uh, to, his, to his disciples. But these were the last words as recorded in Matthew uh, for his disciples. And it's the command to make disciples of all pe uh, among all peoples. Something, a, a command that he's given to everyone who knows him. But our guests this morning are those who have dedicated their lives to do that in cross-cultural settings where Jesus has, is least known. And I just wanted to introduce them. First, I want to introduce... Uh, Walt and Pat Stewart, who have a long history with this church, uh, and just in very briefly, tell us who you are and what you've been doing for the past 30 or 40 or 50 years, <laughs> in, in, in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> he usually does that to me. Uh, I remember being here and crying this was the first evangelical church that I had ever attended because I was raised in a different culture, spiritual or religious culture. So I would cry through every hymn. I would come to this church and sit about back ten, 10 rows back in the middle right there and cry through every hymn. I was just so taken up with worship, the way you people worship, and it was Anyway, that was some of my background. That was like in 1962, 1962. Yeah, long time ago. Uh, Walt and I left this church and were commissioned here. I remember being laid hands on. That was all new for me, too, because, you know, I didn't know what that really meant. Uh, but they laid hands on us and sent us off with scripture that I still remember today. So... Uh, we did church planning in France first, and then we went to Black Forest Academy for 10 years, and now we're back in Alsace, France. I'm a social, psych social psychologist by training and by calling a missionary, you know, God's passion. Walt's a professor, you know, he's got all the degrees, all that, <laughs> you know, everything. Um, I was so impressed my wife. Well, but when we went to France, our neighbor came and said, I know he's with the CIA. Don't you tell me anybody that looks like that, the French, like this, is of an American pastor. Nobody believed that. They thought he was always with the CIA. So I said, well, if he is, I don't know anything about it. I'm still <laughs> waiting for the check. Yeah. 
Incidentally, yeah. that is an issue in different parts of the world. If you go yeah. there and you think you're, and you and, and you're going there for gospel reasons, uh, but there but there are places of the world where you're not allowed to go there for gospel reasons as a missionary, right. um, and people wonder what you're doing there. Right, you're either with the mafia right. or the CIA That's right. or, and they yeah. John definitely mafia. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, and, and they've been instrumental in, in, set, in setting up a counseling ministry and setting if, that, that serves all of Europe and probably even more than that right. uh, there. And so that's what they're doing these last years. But they left for the field in 1973. And they're still doing it. And I was born on the field because I was born in this crazy family. Um, so, the, yeah, so I grew up as a missionary kid in their home and loved it. And I think the Lord always put in my heart a passion for people and serving people. And I saw it in my parents' life. And, and so it was kind of like, sure, Lord, I'm available to keep doing it. Just like probably Terry, who maybe grew up in a family like that. And so we, Phil and I, have been... Um, I've been on the mission field really all my life, other than college years, uh, and uh, in education. I'm a teacher by trade, and so Phil and I have served in the world of education, reaching people through education, a starting, starting all sorts of stuff. I'm a, I'm a kind of a starter, I'm a project person. Started kids' choirs while we were in Austria. Adult choirs music has been, you know, God uses our passion, what we're passionate about, and he uses that as for to make disciples as well, and that maybe will come up a little bit today. But today I am Africa Regional Director. The Lord has led us more into Africa, and I get to encourage national directors and work with teachers that we're training to train uh, in national African schools. So that's a big thing of what I do, other than being a mom and a wife. Phil? Yeah, thanks. Um, it's great to be back uh, with you all again, and thanks for your prayers and your involvement. And just a quick update, last time we were here, we shared about uh, Kilometers for Kids, uh, which was run that middle weekend in June. And I just want to let you know that the total that's come in so far, and there's still uh, funds coming in, was $40,000. And, uh, and that, has, that enables, what do we figure out, about 670 children uh, to receive a complete literacy, numeracy, and basic life skills education. Thanks for your prayers. Some of you were involved also in, in funding and, and maybe even in putting in some kilometers that weekend. So big thanks to you. Yeah, uh, I as well, I was born in Germany. My parents were missionaries uh, in Germany at the time. And uh, briefly, my passion and background was, uh, was experiential education. Basically, that means leading wilderness camps. Uh, so I did that for many years. Um, we met each other and uh, got married and we're in Austria for 14 years. Like Tammy mentioned, I was the principal of a Bible school there. I was able to invest into thousands of lives of campers and uh, Bible school students over 14 years. Following that, we moved to Germany. I was an elder in the church there uh, for 10 years and uh, I continued to lead camps. And then I was uh, director at Black Forest Academy for a couple of years. And since then, I've been involved in this ministry that we shared about here a few weeks ago with marginalized children. 
in Africa. And we appreciate your continued prayers. We're still waiting for our visas to come through. It's kind of a long, complicated process. Even yesterday, I was sending off things, fingerprints and so forth, background checks. But uh, God knows the timing, and we're hoping to get there this fall. Get, get where this fall? South Africa. So they're moving from France or Germany? Well, Germany, Germany we're, yeah, we're in suitcases about now. Yeah. That's right. Thanks. And they're moving to South Africa to be closer to actually where, you, where you're regularly working. Correct. Thank That's you. great. That's great. So we normally think of where they, people like them uh, go as being the mission field. But there's an issue here. The issue is we know that Jesus calls all of us to live on mission right everywhere we are and that the command to make disciples of all peoples includes right here. That's, in a certain sense, our mission for every single believer in Christ. And that's what we're here to talk about. What that, a little bit of what that looks like. We're going to just scratch the surface, but a little bit of what, what that looks like. And I just wanted to begin with a, with a simple question to Walt, and everybody can chime in as you want. When you think of a disciple, what is a disciple? Uh, I'll backtrack a little bit. We had, uh, our daughter had a friend who went to Black Forest Academy, and she lived in, in uh, Switzerland, German-speaking Switzerland, Basel. And she came to Black Forest Academy. Her name was Kamala. And one night we were at the Durgis. Now the Durgis had fled Iran. And I was, had a burning question to ask Mr. Durgi, who had just gotten out of uh, Iran. I said, uh, now listen, uh, we have this problem of all the Ayatollahs coming in and taking over the government. And we all remembered Ayatollah Khamenei. And I said to him, I said, so what makes a person an Ayatollah? Is it a certain education? Is it a certain certification? What's the process? And he looked at me and he said, he has followers. Hmm. I said, oh. He said, anybody could be an Ayatollah if they had enough followers. That means they trust you. That means they, they think you have something to give them, to share with them, to, to lead them. And I thought, that's what Jesus said, you know, make followers, make learners, and that's basically the root word for the word disciple, you know, if I am a disciple, I am a follower of that particular person, I just quoted this thing here, um, the standard definition of disciple is someone who adheres to the teachings of, of another. It is a follower or a learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Applied to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. Someone who, because of God's awakening grace. Amen. You can add. Great. And in and, and, and our work, we, we capture it this way. A disciple is someone who is learning to live and love like Jesus and helps others do the same. Because a disciple, by its very nature of what, the way Jesus described it, is someone who reproduces themselves in different ways. Someone who is learning to live and love like Jesus and helps others do the same. So how do you understand begin with Tammy, how do you understand making disciples when he gives us that command 
to go and make disciples of all peoples. Yeah, so how do we make followers of Jesus, right? And, and when I was thinking about that, I was thinking of that word make. That's an action verb. Uh, I like to make things. I'm a, I'm a craft. I love to make pretty things and do crafts and make cakes. And, and so it's, it's an action. And usually when I make something, I have a model, right? I'm following something. I mean, I'm not that creative that I come up with my own ideas. So I like to make things following an example. And it just made me think that um, to make followers of Jesus, we ourselves need to be an example and a model of what that means. So uh, making disciples you is a lifestyle, really, because you have to live it yourself. So all of us, to have followers, we need to be follow-worthy. Jesus definitely is, but we are Jesus to people. So mm. on the mission field, you, we are, we are the people. People don't read the word. The people I'm with don't read the Bible all the time. Or um, usually I train people who are, have followers. That's kind of my job at, at what I'm doing is I'm training the trainer. So I work with those who are discipling, who are like investing in the, the kids. So I'm a, I do education. So I will be with, uh, I'm training teachers to train other teachers in their schools. So I have to be a model to the ones that I am discipling. So the leaders that I'm, they're usually leaders that I'm influencing. So I have to be an example. And so how am I an example? I have to stay close to, I have to be prepared. I have to be model worthy. So you are, you need to be prepared. Also when you make something, you need to be prepared. So I need to be prepared in my own life to be an example, to, to exemplify who Christ is. So how do I do that? I stay connected to Jesus. I mean, that's basically it, right? We stay connected through reading God's word, through praying, through fellowshipping, through whatever it is, the tools. We have so many resources today to stay connected, to, to be fed um, from Jesus. So as we are then examples of what it is, living authentically, I think, makes, is the best way to make disciples. As we live authentically, our faith with Jesus, hopefully it's attractive and people want to, to get to know that. What is it that makes you different? And, and we live it, just the same way as as parents. We live it in front of our kids, and that's by living it, and hopefully if it's, if it's authentic, they follow as well. And so that's, to me, making disciples is living in a way that's authentically connected to Jesus, prepared to be a model that others can, can follow. I'm more of a, I'm not a theologian, so I'm not going to sit down the way my dad or maybe Phil will be more of the thing. So I think we make disciples in our, in our own way, right? And mm -hmm. who, how God has made us individually. So you're going to do that different than how I am. And then in the context, so in Africa where we are, then we contextualize it and try to speak their language. That's another important thing, right? If we're trying to make disciples and speaking a whole different language than people can understand, that's not going to work. So we're going to try to really understand who the people are that, are that we're making disciples with, speak the same language. Usually then, as a foreigner, I have to change. I'm the one who's going to change in how I reach out and how I live that so we're not a, we're not a hindrance to them. And if someone were to say to you, well, I really don't feel worthy to do that. And my life is really, whether they're a new believer or whether just they're going through a, 
a difficult struggle or whatever it may be, and I know you've encountered people, how would you respond to that? Well, I, I, I'll just answer, you, you might want to answer too, but uh, I think God uses, especially when we're broken, like I see God, so I think in the times where we really don't feel worthy, that's probably where God wants to even use that in you. Because he uses our brokenness to speak to others. So as we, you know, I can't do it on my own, Lord. I, as we seek help, as we seek, it's, it's being humble, admitting that we can't do it and that we're not worthy. That's where God wants us to be, really. So I think there's so much when we can put that out there, which we often don't want to because we want to hide that part of us. But I've seen God work in, also in my life when I felt at the least like that I'm doing anything. That's where God, if I, if I can be out there with other people, if I make that, if I open that up to other people where he, they see me hanging on to Jesus, I think that's Great. super powerful. Anyone else want to add to that? Yeah, I, I, would, I would second what, uh, what Tammy said because the worthiness is not us. Um, and, and I'll maybe say something to that later, but uh, Jesus is worthy. And he is what every one of us needs. And I, I love the, the example of the sun and the moon. On, on, a, on a full moon night, you know, we look at the moon, you can see your shadow on the ground. And we think of the moon as uh, creating light, but it doesn't. It's out there, and it's just reflecting the light of the sun. And that's our role, uh, using that picture. Jesus is the sun, and if we're available... Uh, the sun's light, the son of God's light, will be reflected through us. So it's not about how great we are, but it's how great our Lord Jesus is. And he's the one who everyone needs, and he's the one who's going to shine through us if we're available. Can I just pick up on sure. something? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we used to go to the Ventner missionary homes a bit and so I never thought Pat and I never thought we would end up actually residing in that area we are residing with our son and, and we are have we have a house now in Atlantic City of all places and I watch my wife go out walking every morning she usually walks with uh, a non-believer a person she's met one way or the other I'm always amazed by her stories of how she meets people and and They'll go walking. They'll spend hours out, sometimes out in the boardwalk. And little by little, these people, of course, their curiosity is, what do you do? Where are you, why are you in France? What way, et cetera, et cetera. And last week, last Sunday evening, on the beach in Atlantic City, uh, I, along with the, uh, Jean-Christophe, the father of Abriel, our, one of our younger granddaughters, we baptized her in the ocean there in Atlantic City. And lo and behold, several of the people that walk with Pat, and that I've gotten to know as well, showed up. We invited them. We're having a baptism. One lady said it afterwards. Oh, I thought it was a baby you were going to baptize, you know. But all of them were blown away, if you will. That was fantastic. I've never seen anything like that. Hmm. Now, we haven't gotten into a message and given them the gospel no. that way, but... They were curious enough to come and to watch. 
we live next door to a couple who's living in the basement of a house there from Morocco, right? And they've had a hard time integrating into the society. You know, this young man, this, his wife and his, his sister are there. He just got back from Morocco and we were speaking with him and, and he's, he's, he just kept talking and talking. This was yesterday. And lo and behold, is it his sister that came out with a dress from Morocco for Pat? Hmm. And a whole dish of goodies, which I'm enjoying. Likewise. <laughs> as well. Not so much. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. But see, God has places where he's placed us for a reason. Yeah. He's placed you where you are for a reason. You are to be light, soul, disciple maker. And that starts with unbelievers, people that don't know Jesus Christ. Hmm. Not just discipling believers, which is important, but people are in the process of becoming disciples of Jesus Christ when they confront Jesus followers, like Tammy was saying. Yes, and that leads to one of the next questions, Pat. What does investment in people look like? Tiredness. <laughs> Tiredness. <laughs> Energy. Uh, vision. Hope. Pain. You know, we uh, are, uh, I just think of, you know, different people, uh, Jeanette and Cecile, and they um, <clears throat> had an elder come to me a couple years ago saying, help my wife. She's depressed. She won't talk to me. She's overweight. She help her. And I didn't really know this elder's wife very well, but... At the same time, the same week, we got a call from a French, um, uh, like, top, top chrétien, I don't even know what it is, I don't know how to Christian say it. Radio station. A Christian radio station that reaches literally, probably hundreds of thousands of French people. And they had asked us if we would write articles and do radio programs and that kind of thing, and I thought, we can't do that. I'm, I'm, we're not French. But at the same time, in the same week, I had this elder come, and all I said is, we need help. We can't do it all, right? We're... So Walt said this lady's name, Cecile. He asked Cecile. I said, but the elders, she's depressed. He said, ask Cecile. So next day, called up Cecile. I listened to him. I called up Cecile, went to ask Cecile. It happens once in a while. Yep. <laughs> anyway, this woman has gone from being depressed, miserably miserable about herself, to one of the most, uh, goodness. Effective. Effective women in France today. She has written, she has written, she's, she's just exceptional. So all that to say, yeah, she, she runs our online program. Mm -hmm. she, she's gifted, gifted So what did person. your investment look like in her? It took hours because when I asked her if she would consider heading up this, this program, she said absolutely not because she didn't feel worthy. She didn't feel she could. So I said, Cecile, I will walk with you. 
I will write some of the articles in my lovely French, which is horrible. I will walk with you. I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours walking with her before she got to the point so, so that, helping her, almost doing it for her to give her that confidence. So that's so another that's so a what it so a synonymous phrase for investing in people could be walking with people. Yeah. Right. Phil? Walking with them. Phil. Right. Um, yeah. I'd I'd say I. Totally underline that it's time. How do, what does investment look like? It's time. It's willingness. It's putting other people ahead of yourself. And, and in our society and in our world, we're so self-centered. We tend to be so focused on what I want, how I feel, what I need. Um, and, and it's looking out beyond yourself and then uh, seeing the people and taking time, being willing to sacrifice, caring for others, praying for them. As God uh, alerts you to these people, as you pray for them, God will um, show you, like in that example, he'll show you, here's a person, uh, take, you know, and sometimes it's just a sentence, and, and it's a word that for us, you know, is a few seconds and can make a difference in a person's life. They've been recognized they've been acknowledged and um, and then sharing the reason that you have for hope sharing your perspective that's how you invest in others is is sharing what matters to you what your passion is yeah. Amen. anyone else on that well that leads so so it's walking with people and everyone here as well as ourselves we're surrounded by people in many different kinds of networks and contexts. And is, it, it's impossible mm -hmm. to invest in all of them. You cannot do that. My, a, a friend of mine used to say, you can have, you can have many acquaintances, but only a few friends. Mm -hmm. um, you can only invest, it, you, can, you can speak to many. Jesus spoke to many, but he invested in a few. How do you determine the relationships you want to invest in? How do you navigate that when you're surrounded with people and so many needs, just as Jesus was, but he didn't invest in all, in all of them? Uh, I, I do a triage, uh, you know. Like a filtering. Like, yeah, like filtering. Filter, like have a, quick a medical filter. person, you have a catastrophe. Well, this person's already dead. Don't spend time with them. This person has some breath. Maybe do a, you know, cardiac uh, pump or whatever they do. Uh, so you do a very, you, you do a, a triage. And um, I, I really do that. And you do it spiritually. You see how they're responding. Mm -hmm. Number one, are they, they, are they a believer or aren't they a believer? Sometimes you go to that non-believer and they get saved, and man, they're up and flying and leading people to the Lord and doing all kinds of marvelous things. So I'm not saying just listen to the believer. But then you see some believers that are in pain, and I feel, well, and I used to say, we, these people aren't, haven't suffered enough. So we find that when most people are in pain, that's when they're listening. 
that's mm. when they're crying for help. So we kind of wait till they're really, really in pain. Uh, and then they're listening. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to discern who's going to run the race. And I, and I think that's really important because we can spend a lot of time investing in some people who are just, are, just not going to be there. No. You're just, and sometimes it's our favorite people, unfortunately. And sometimes we have to just, yeah, to let go of that and say, okay, Lord, sometimes the hungry are not who you th want to be hungry, unfortunately. And, and that takes discernment because we don't have that much time. Uh, we, and, and hopefully as Christians, we're sensitive to that. So we can pray for everyone. Like sometimes I know there's people in my life that, oh, like, Lord, I think these are the people you really want to bring to you. And, uh, but it's, for whatever reason, it's not their time. So that this kind of sorting out is important. I'm in the process right now in Africa. So we're doing a, um, we're going to be investing in key leaders of schools and key teachers in schools who really want transformations for their schools to this basic what does it mean to be a christian teacher how does that teacher impact their school how do, it's a whole mindset you know where your roots are, are the bible and the lord so i am so we're doing this kind of sorting for which schools because if i ask which school out there wants help from us uh, to be a better teacher i would have like hundreds thousands of schools that would say please come help me give us what we need, whiteboards and cool pens and all that. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for leaders in schools that really want transformation of the heart. So we have this whole questionnaire. We have people that are going to go interview there. We want to sense that desire for change and desire to learn. And that's who we're going to invest in. So that's, that's a way we'll do it. And we do that in people too, who are hungry. And sometimes you, you kind of put baits out there sometimes to see, are they... And, and, and it can switch. I just had one of my best friends in Germany become a Christian the week before we left. And I had been running with this girl. I'm a runner, so spending hours with her. And at the very end, probably because we were leaving, she was like, I think I want what you have, and you're leaving, and you're not going to be feeding me anymore. And she became a, a Christian right in the middle of our boxes as we were packing which was so amazing. So there is being sensitive to the spirit, who is that person, mm -hmm. but I think sorting and sometimes being willing to let go of who we might be investing in too much for the other person who's hungry and wanting to mm -hmm. learn and change. Well, do you have anything to add to that here? Um, I, re I really have uh, heard many stories about Muslims who came to Christ. And uh, I knew the author of one book who wrote a whole book based on uh, dreams and among Muslims and people coming to Christ. And with this Muslim family right next door, I said, Lord, somehow they're going to have to take the initiative. Somehow. And I'm praying that God gives some dreams saying you need to go talk to this person about issues you know you need to talk to him about that see because Muslims believe in Jesus just not as the true son of God I'm praying that way but he could you go through the sisters and the, or the wife through Pat you know we don't know it's it's coming before the Lord each morning I say Lord is there somebody you 
have for me to speak with? I don't want to just speak with people to evangelize, if you will. I want to truly have a connection with that person and let God do the rest. Mm -hmm. So what, I, what I've heard all of you say in some way without making it a, a stepwise process, it has to begin with seeking God. God, where are you working? In, in the many different relationships that I have where I'm working, where I live, where I, at my job, at my, in my neighborhood or my family or whatever. Where, where are you working? Where do you want me to invest? Where do I see, where do I see your fingerprints and such? And then, and then asking, for, and asking for discernment. And, and, does, it mean, and does, it, does it mean that if you see opposition to yourself or to the message, that that, well, it can't be that person. Does it mean that? Usually there's going to be opposition, <laughs> and then sometimes you know that's even more where the focus is. I can almost assume that where God wants to work, there's some kind of, and you get to that, what are the distractions, right? Uh -huh. Almost that next question. Yeah, what are some of the, ch so what are some of the challenges that you face as you invest in people? Yeah, because we're, exactly that, where we're, we're going to be investing, there's going to be challenges. I, I just assume that. So sometimes when it's like, oh, here's a challenge, again, again, I'm like, this is where the enemy does not want this to happen. Because it's a battle, right? We know the battle is not of flesh and blood. There's a battle up there to hinder us from making disciples, right? There's, you can assume that. Because if these were the words of Jesus, the last words, you can know that the enemy is going to be like, I'm going to try everything to keep that from happening. So where there's challenges or for me, I see those challenges often as being tricky distractions from making that happen. Uh, so many, our world today, there's so many distractions uh, in all kinds of ways. It can be a, a distraction, you know, just today, just the busyness we have, social media, or, or, or things that just arise all the time to keep us from focusing did, on what's... Did, did you mean Facebook is a oh, distraction? Oh, yeah, and Instagram, <laughs> and, and, and all that, to, to just keep us from... It's like this little thing, right? Bing, oh, oh, I'm connecting, good. And some of those distractions, yeah. It's, so it's this filtering, what is a distraction from, from um, so to me, a distraction is, also, is a challenge. And it's one of the ways the enemy tries to keep us from staying on target to, um, you know, to make disciples. But then there's other challenges that are like, I see them as hurdles in my life. These hurdles. Okay, Lord, is this a closed door? Is this challenge a closed door, or is it a hurdle? I, I feel like I'm doing that all, every day of my life. Like, okay, is this, is this just something you've trained us to, to jump? Again, I, I'm a runner, so a lot of my illustrations are running. So I've been trained to jump hurdles. So, okay, I'm, I can do that. The Lord has equipped us to surmount hurdles, and I know there's going to be hurdles when it comes to making disciples. Uh, so, but I've been trained to jump over those hurdles. And sometimes it's a closed doors, and sometimes it's distractions to pull us away from what that is. Well, challenges. I think my wife has something to say. No? No. Okay. For me, my challenge is men. <laughs> I say that because uh, women will flock to Pat and share their problems and their needs. Men don't do that. Unless their wives kick them over towards me and then they're coming like this. 
men, we are very proud people, and we want to work out our own solutions. Mm -hmm. So I pray, you know, yeah, I pray, give them some problems, you know, and give them the courage to talk to another person, you know. And Pat and I usually, she usually goes towards women, I usually go towards the men, and so uh, sometimes I get the men via my wife, who is mm -hmm. counseling another woman and says, I, I wish my husband had somebody to speak to, and things like that. But men, don't be afraid to share openly and honestly with somebody you trust and somebody that can help you work, work through some of these issues. And be available to other men. I know when I was in much better physical shape, I used to play a lot of tennis and, and uh, different sports, and that was a vehicle for men. Mm -hmm. We'd go out, do some sports together, and then we'd just have our downtime and then they'd open up and share. So look for vehicles that will open up. I, when we had a, a pets, we walked our dog in the neighborhood. People would stop and pet the dog and da 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 da, and all of a sudden, we were talking to each other on a different level. Mm -hmm. There's all different ways to, okay. as Sammy said, jump over those hurdles. Yeah. So. Now, Tammy mentioned something. You mentioned there's a there's a lot of distractions, and one of the first things that comes to my mind is our lives are filled with activity of all different sorts. And when you have children, and when you have you have school activities and sports and music lessons and, and, and church activities and lots of, lots of different things that I find as good as many of those are can be a distraction towards the main command of making disciples. How do you navigate that? Because we're all, everybody here is busy and, and we, we don't want to sound like, oh, making disciples is just one more thing I got to add to my schedule because it, it's, it's not going to happen. How do you navigate that? I can talk and talk, but you go. Yeah, it's, uh, I, again, I think it comes back to um, being able to prioritize, being able to uh, not, you know, to, to step off of the merry-go-round for a second, to regain perspective and what really matters in life. because. Mm. Are, there's a lot of things we do have to do, you know, like you said, if you're a parent, uh, you know, you have your job, you have to do these things. But, you know, before you know it, if, if you don't take times to, to reflect, times of solitude, to, to be able to just step back and see the forest for the trees, um, you're, you're going to suddenly one day you'll wake up and go, where did the last eight years go? You know, what have I been doing? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think it's really important to, to build those times. I'm, I'm somebody who wants to be involved in whatever's going on. So in answer to your question, sometimes just to take, and sometimes it's only a few minutes, and maybe it's as you wake up in the morning, setting your clock a little bit earlier, taking some time in the Word, some time in reflection, to recalibrate what really matters and yeah yeah, yeah but, and, and I didn't want to go without saying with parents and all obviously our children are our first disciples right. within the family whatever and so that that's not something separate please don't misunderstand me on yeah. that um, and as Tammy said before that's a lifestyle of investing and investing and then just never stops yeah 
To me, that verse in Matthew, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Just that, seek ye first. That's, that's our first, it's mm. like focus, it's the goal. And all these things will be added unto you. You know, so those other things that are part of life, we're all, if you're a mother, or I'm a new grandma, I'm a big distraction right now uh, with the new grandbaby. But first, if we're believers, our first is Jesus and staying connected to him. And, and those things, those other things, they're going to happen and they're going to happen even better because we're filled with Christ and we're going to mm -hmm. have ideas and we'll be kinder and gentler and and be have more self-control and so that's for me that's my message to yeah me. I want to go back to something you said early on because I think it's really important sometimes we have the idea that making disciples is a, is a kind of an activity that we tack on to everything else rather than it's a lifestyle or a way of a, a way of living that permeates everything that we do so I'm taking my kids to soccer practice that's not something separate from making disciples. I have the opportunity at that time to invest in them for that moment. Uh, or uh, so I, was I was reading a book on, uh, on uh, the TechWise family by Andy Crouch, and he, and, he gives it, and he gives the illustration that for him, it's very, when he rides in a car, it's very difficult for him to talk and to have conversation. He, he, and I can understand that. It's, I prefer to be quiet and, or just focus on the road, whatever. But he, but he determined that when he's in the car with his wife or with his kids, that needs to be a moment in which, that needs to be a moment for conversation and not a dead moment. To illustrate the fact that it's a way of looking at life in which we look at the relationships we're involved with the places we're involved with, that there's no sacred or secular, and that serving people and investing in people happens wherever life happens, wherever life happens. And, uh, and we don't always have that idea because we often have the idea that, well, the church building is where ministry happens. And ministry does happen in the church building. But when you consider how much time you spend in the church building of three to five hours a week, if that, and how much you spend totally outside in all the other activities of life, that's where what we're talking about happens. And so I think it bears, it bears repeating that as we were talking about, that it's, a, it's a lifestyle, it's a way of looking at life where all of life is integrated and a whole for the purpose of, of investing in people, making disciples of all peoples. Last question here. Do you have something to add? Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, you know, I was just going to, uh, as far as the challenges, because I yes. think, yeah, I was just going to add one more, because I know this for me, has sometimes uh, been a challenge, and it's shame. It's shame and fear, you know? And uh, thinking, wow, people aren't gonna be interested. In fact, they'll, they'll respond negatively towards mm -hmm. me. They'll think I'm weird, I'm some fanatic. And, and that sometimes uh, keeps me, you know, wants me not to stand out for people not to see me or know what matters to me. And I think that can, can really be a challenge that maybe people deal with too and it's so good to realize again 
that it's not about me or how great I am or how attractive, but the fact is that people are going to hell if they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we recognize that, um, that every single individual uh, will recognize someday the truth, but for many it'll be too late, that'll change our, hmm. our desire, our passion, our care yeah. you know, for other people. And that brings us to a, a last question here. Um, actually, there's two last. There's two questions. One that's not up on the board, but the last one. How do you start this if you've never done it before, or no one has ever discipled you? And I think many people here might feel that way. Well, no one's ever invested in me that way, or that I can think of. I've never done this before. How do you, how do you how would you respond to that? Yeah, and I think. Uh... I think this is maybe will start sounding like a stuck record, but, uh, but I believe that uh, the place that it starts is your own relationship with the Lord Jesus. Like Tammy was saying before, it's being authentic. And you're not going to lead someone. You know, we talk about follow, be, becoming followers. You, uh, if, if you're not leading, you're not going to lead someone somewhere where you aren't yourself. So the main thing really, is your own relationship with the Lord Jesus. And, and if that is vibrant, if you love the Lord Jesus, again, it's like that sun-moon illustration. Your life will reflect it. And um, a verse that, that uh, I'd like to share that has been becoming more and more, I think, important to me, and Tammy mentioned before that, uh, that she started choirs in in Austria, children's choirs, and one of them we named 516. And that's because of the verse in Matthew 516 that goes like this. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So it's, it's just, again, your light. It's because he says, I am the light of the world, but here he says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Again, sun and the moon, you reflect him. It's not me. I don't have to be amazing and convince people because Jesus is the one who's amazing. And like it says here, and I, and I love this, um, let your light shine before men. They may see your good deeds and praise you. No, it doesn't say and praise you. It says see that they may see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. So they they will recognize that there's something different there, and they will recognize that it's the Lord Jesus if we are letting our light shine. So, uh, so it, it's being attractive, and, uh, and our lives are attractive. And, and you know there's people you like to be around and you like to be with, and you know why that is. Because um, there's something about them. They are seeing you. And, and God enables that. And, uh, and John uh, 13, 35 says, and by this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And that love, again, comes out of that relationship. And so people will recognize, and that's attractive. So, so that's how it starts. And then, um, like we've mentioned, uh, as you're aware of this, I, I challenge you, I encourage you to pray. Pray that God will put people on your hearts. And yeah, you have children, 
you have your colleagues at work, your spouse, uh, not necessarily in that order, but, uh, but the, uh, the people in your, in your sphere, in your environment, the people that, that you know, maybe in your classroom, uh, people that, that you interact with. And, you know, I've, I've led a lot of camps, and, and uh, Tammy and I have done premarital counseling and so forth. People that you have contact with, and as they get to know you, uh, they will become interested. And, and so pray. And on your uh, bulletin, if, uh, if you have one, you'll see on the very back, there is, uh, there's three lines. It says, um, well, it says Global Connection Sunday, and then there's just one, two, three with blanks. And I'd, I'd encourage you uh, to, to take that home, and, um, or you can do it right here, right now. Um, pray about uh, people that God might want you to have open eyes and an open heart um, and open ears for to to focus on and and maybe god will give you some names and remind you here's a person that that you know here's a person that you see that you could invest in that you could uh draw closer to and and share the most important thing in life that matters to you just through your life like walt said it's not necessarily preaching at them but it's uh it's being there caring, loving, and that by this will all men know that you're my disciples. And, and then uh, the, the verses that you started with, John, um, the very last words of Jesus. just want to point something out there that's very, very interesting that we sometimes overlook. I think it's interesting. He's, Jesus says, all authority in heaven has been given to me, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go out and make disciples. And you go, wait a minute. If he has authority, why should I be going out and doing it? Um, is it because he's, you know, commanding me? Well, he is. But the last verse is, uh, is, is critical as part of this because he says, um, you know, all authority has been given to me. Go out and make disciples. And then he says, um, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. So again, it's not, hey, I've got the authority, so you go do this and that, you know, like some, some you know, military command. But he's saying, I am with you to the very end. So again, as you go out, he's the one who's with you, and he's the one who's going to enable it. I wanted to close very quickly if some, something specific comes to mind. How have, in this whole process of investing in people, what first comes to mind about how you've seen God work in you and changing you and molding you as you've just followed him? Any particular thing come to mind? I'm sure there's lots of stories, but where have you seen that? I think I've had to get over myself, you know. We get on pity parties. Oh, I can't do that. I have an ache. I, yeah, 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 yeah. And to me, I had to grow up. I often say I didn't become an adult till I was 40. Uh, and then I'm still working on it. You know, at 76. Uh, yeah, God had to do a great work in me. My attitude, my heart, my... You know, we get on pity parties. 
or we feel, oh, I have so many regrets, nobody loves me, I'm going to go eat worms, or whatever. However, uh, so I think I had to get over myself. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you just see others. Mm-hmm. My mom used to say, joy is Jesus, others, and yourself. She would always say, remind me of that. And, the, and there's so much joy, I, I guess, when I think of it as when there's certain times where you go, oh, I'm like, you, God, you've put me right here right now. And there's, it's usually the unexpected time. It's often not even when you've prepared for it, right? And you find yourself an opportunity, a little window, and you're, you're you know, it's a lifestyle. You're doing it. You're, you're, it's usually connected to what you're passionate about, and you're, he's flowing through you. And there's so much joy in, in that. Um, so being available, and then we, that's what changes us, right? When, when we're dependent on him, he's doing it through us. I wouldn't want to miss out on that, on, on that joy. And, and it's just a blessing to us as we see Christ use us in the most humble of ways, in the, in the craziest of ways, ways that you'd never expect. It's like, and then you know he's doing it, and not you. Amen. Yeah, I... That, that's what I was going to kind of pick up or say as well, because uh, I think what's changed in me is when I've seen people changed uh, because of some involvement that I've been involved in. And that has humbled me and made me realize, wow, God used that or God has worked through that. And that's just made me realize again, it's not about me, but I'm... I'm a vessel that God is using, and, uh, and, and that's, that's changed me and just, yeah, humbled me and, and made me aware God is capable and he's going to do it if I'm available. Amen. Uh, just well, to r- maybe wrap things up, we've done, Pat and I have done in our family, I love you, that's God speaking to the family. We've done uh, hundreds of fa- family camps on couples, on parenting, and things like this. Mm -hmm. And people would come into that camp, some of them so desperate, they would actually tell us, if it doesn't work, we're going to get divorced when we leave here. I mean, that's, they were at that point. This is their last hope. And you know, in the beginning, we would get, kind of feel the pressure of that. Oh, wow, how, what can we do to really help these people get through this, you know? But we do our regular teaching, we do, we'd be available for counseling, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the camp, we would always have a time where the husband and wife would write each other letters. And then they would take those letters and they would read them and then they'd share them with the others. And the more we saw what God had done in the lives of these people, people start weeping, hugging each other, asking forgiveness, uh, making resolutions of what they're going to do when they get home. Uh, we would, the team, we would stand back and just cry. Mm. We would cry because we knew that it wasn't us. We were just messengers. We were just available. But like it, every person here has said, if God's not in it, forget it. You see, I mean, he is the one that's transforming mm. lives. But he calls us to be instruments, Amen. his instruments, and reflect his glory. Amen. And so the, 
the camps, we would, as we went on, we would just say, wow. People say, well, how was the camp? We say, God met us there. God met us there. Whether it's in a group or whether it's individual, God meets at the right time. Amen. Amen. Good words to uh, conclude with. Uh, lots of different things we could remember here, some of the different things that stand out. But uh, good words to conclude with, and one of the words that be, that begun with, that as we go out from here, good thing to remember, we are Jesus to people. We are Jesus to people, to people who would perhaps never set foot in a church building, or people uh, who would never open the Bible uh, yet, yet. But we are Jesus to them. And we've heard that in many different ways, as many different scriptures. And... Um, I'd just like to pray for a moment as they go down, as the worship team comes up. Uh, but I'd just like to pray for us all that God would solidify this in our minds as we, as we move forward. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, uh, we thank you, Lord, for these reflections on your great, your great commission uh, to make disciples of all peoples, which is obviously an expression of your great commandment to love you and to love people. And God, um, we pray, Lord, for each one here that you would move in our hearts to show us your own work in our own lives and how you want to move and work and change us to be more like Jesus, but at the very same time to show us the people along our path, whether, they're, whether we're in school, whether we're at home, whether we're in the workplace, wherever we are, the people that you want us to invest in for, for Jesus' sake. And so, Father, we commit this time to you, these things that we've heard. Show us the different things that stand out for us that we can apply them and put them into practice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.